Okay, we're all in take five. Hook em up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Vince Young days, the start of the Longhorn football season. Ten days, ten days out. Means we're three days to actual college football. I don't know if there's any of these uh, zero-week games that uh, whet your appetite or get you excited, but, uh, you know, Notre Dame will be playing Navy uh, that's in Dublin, cool. Ireland. That's nice. Oh, that's really cool, actually. In Dublin. Yeah, that's really cool. The Fighting Irish in Dublin at uh, Viva Stadium. Nice. Uh, there's a school from Texas playing, UTEP. The Miners will be playing Jacksonville State. Ohio Bobcats play San Diego State Rod in uh, three days. Okay. Okay. Hey, man, also, number uh, eight team in our Horn Top 20 countdown will play this weekend. Oh, the oh, are we revealing that yet? Are we the USC it? Trojans. Okay, I know. The USC Trojans. It. All right. USC Trojans. Trojans are playing San Jose State. Hey, we just talked about his brother yesterday. Talk about Garrett yeah. Riley. Yeah, Clemson. He's now the Clemson OC and Lincoln Riley now. Uh, the head coach at the uh, for USC and already got himself a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. That didn't take long. Didn't take long. <laughs> he brought him with him. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Technically, yeah. brought him with him. So there you go. I mean, uh, yeah, man, we got football. USC, they're mm. number six in the AP poll. They're number eight in our poll. They're the uh, highest ranked team to be playing this week. And, of course, uh, Notre Dame was in our, our, our rankings as well with Sam Hartman at quarterback now, the Wake Forest transfer. Yeah, that's actually that's going to be interesting because I like I liked him a lot at Wake Forest, man. He was a playmaker. Well, played playing, out of grid. He can run, too. Yeah, 77 touchdowns the last two years oh, at Wake. Really productive. They had a great system. And I wonder if they're going to run a similar system that, that he dad had there at Wake Forest because it was pretty unique, the system they were running there at Wake Forest. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I can't wait to see. I, I'll be watching that. That's a one thirty game Saturday, by the way, for making I actually may check out that Notre Dame game. I just want to see how they look. Yeah, I just want to see what the, yeah, what the offense looks like with Sam Hartman there. And I might check out that, you know, not that I'll be able to see the USC defense tested, but that's Lincoln Rowley's, that has been his project over the offseason was to fix that defense and all the NIL. <laughs> um, a lot of portal lot, players. Yes, exactly. So a lot of the, the NIL dollars I've uh, read from uh, USC have gone to try to fix that defense. They're bringing in guys that they believe can can be, uh, you know, really can be impact players right away because they don't have time really to make it overhaul the defense like a project. They need guys who want to come in overnight and be impact players. Well, and that's the uh... – you know the, the argument at USC, kind of like we we're talking about the Cowboys. The Cowboys are going to have an elite defense. Their offense doesn't have to be great; it's got to be good enough, mm-hmm. and they can be right where they want to be. Now, USC, they don't have to be great on defense; they just have to be serviceable, pretty decent. good. Don't be a weakness. And I will say, last year they they forced a lot of turnovers, but then when if you played that team in like Utah and you didn't turn the ball over, and you could bully them around, you could beat a Lincoln Riley team. And that's always been the question on Lincoln Riley, even back to Oklahoma. His offense is going to outscore you. But when he gets into a, you know, playoff situation, you got to have both sides of the ball against a really, really good team. They've fallen short. Yep. Uh, USC, the prohibitive favorite on the West Coast, no doubt, uh, with Washington, uh, Utah, uh, all there in the Pac-12. Yeah, and but, Utah's uh, still trying to figure out the QB if Cameron Rise is going to be available early. Yeah, Cam Rise. Of course, he had a knee injury, suffered in the Rose Bowl. They're hoping he can get back. But yeah, they play Florida. Next week in week mm-hmm. one, that's a good game. Uh, part of week, yeah, this need, is zero week. That's week one. They played the Florida Gators 
uh, in Utah, and then they come to Waco. Yeah, they need him early because they got some tough games yeah. early on that yeah, non-con. Florida and Baylor to start the year for uh, – <laughs> that'll be interesting for you know, when Texas – the week Texas is playing Alabama, Baylor will be playing, playing Utah, which will become a conference game down the road. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, but and that Baylor was already with on the a schedule. new DC, right? Baylor got themselves a new defensive coordinator. Yeah, Dave Aranda made a change. He's made a change. He made an offensive coordinator change after the first year. Remember, brought in the BYU uh, offensive coordinator. Didn't make Jeff a, Grimes. Yes, and then he's now he's made a defensive coordinator change. I, I love that about Dave Aranda. He was willing to admit when he's miscalculated or got something wrong. So I, I you know, don't sleep on Baylor this year, man. Dave Aranda, I think he's a he's a good coach, learning on the job like a lot of coaches are. Yeah, it's well, his first gig. Well, and and he has also readily admitted that he uh, he he whiffed on the on the transfer portal. Didn't attack it. No, he didn't. Yep. Kind of like we talked about Davos mm-hmm. Swinney and Clemson yesterday. You know when when and I thought the, the the guest we had yesterday. And if you missed any of those, by the way, our Horn Top Twenty countdowns, you can always go to our website or to go to the Horn app, and you can go back and listen to our conversations with our insiders. But the Clemson insider we had yesterday was asked. We asked him about that. You know Davos hesitancy to jump in the portal. And he's been criticized by Clemson fans for not, you know, he and he said Dabo's opinion is if, if I have a guy that I've recruited that I think can be a good player, then we're not going to go into the portal. But, you know, they're they're thin at receiver this year. And there are a lot of people at Clemson saying, well, why didn't you attack the receiver market in the portal? Because you've got a quarterback like Cade Klubnick, you've got a defense like you've got, you've got good running backs. Why wouldn't you go get and be a part of the, the big-time receivers that were available? He didn't. Uh, Florida State did, by the way, in his own conference. So Florida State went after one of the top yep. receivers in the portal and have added to give Jordan Travis a quarterback, a receiver to throw to, a number one guy. Uh, there's still a doubt there. And, and to, back to Dave Aranda, after they won the Big 12 championship two years ago, you know, they lost Jalen Petrie and they lost, oh, they uh, lost Terrell Bernard yeah. and they lost on that defense. Taekwon Thornton, a wide receiver, mm-hmm. and they lost Abram Smith at running back. Yeah. And he, they didn't, he just thought the guys that they had in their system would be able to replace, and they weren't. And they yeah. weren't. And he admitted, man, we probably should have hit the portal a little harder. Yeah, that's what it's for. It's for just to supplement the roster. You'll have places where you'll you'll naturally have strengths. Whether you can't it be, build your team through the portal. Yeah, you can't build it through the portal. But places you have, I don't know, maybe you, have, you haven't necessarily recruited that well or some of the, the guys haven't developed that well. That's what the portal's for, to supplement those areas. And when you're a Power 5 school, that's the luxury you have. Every school can't just dive into the portal and go, you know, uh, look at certain positions and say, oh, we can just we'll fill in uh, voids on our roster where needed. You know, they have to go out of necessity to look at the portal and get whatever they can get out of value of the portal. Now with schools like Baylor, they can go in there and just look at, like you said, or Clemson too, look at wide receiver and go, all right, we, we can we can go get, go after the top wide receivers in the portal this year, and we don't necessarily need them for any other position. Yeah. Well, Sark does a, that. If you're already a big dog like Clemson, Sark does it. You, you can yeah. attract top talent because then they want to play with Cade Klubnick. They want to play in a Garrett Riley offense. Dave Aranda should be able to attract top defensive talent for sure. No question. Uh, and that's the thing about Baylor. People talk about Blake shaping their quarterback. You know, their, their issue last year was their defense. I mean, their defense, they, in, the, in the Big 12 championship year, they didn't give up 30 points or more in any game. Last year they did it multiple times. You remember at the end of the game against Texas, they just couldn't stop they them. Couldn't, they couldn't stop, stop them. Texas. They couldn't stop the run. It game. was one dimensional. Yeah, and they were giving Quinn Ewers fits, but they couldn't stop the run. I mean, they that's, that was the biggest issue with Baylor last year for me is their defense went from great to. Hmm. 
pretty average. That's a good point about Texas last year because they, they had a good game plan going into that game against Texas. We obviously broke it down actually yeah. yesterday about their pressure packages, which gave Texas fits. And then Sark decided, I'm not even going to throw the ball. I'm just going to run you the ball. You know that had to gall Dave Aranda, yeah, the defensive guy. It made them easier to defend. They were, they were, they were, they were essentially a one-track team. Uh, they, 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 were un, they, they didn't have any balance at that time, and they just ran it down ba- Baylor's throat. And remember, they went 6-6, six and six, and then they had to go play in that – that bowl game up the what was the Armed Forces Bowl in Fort Worth and it was like zero degrees, oh, like freezing cold. I forgot to be right. I forgot <laughs> about that. Yeah, Dave Aranda did not. His, his team didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. That, that game was was not fun. Hey, let's get to the headlines, trending topics, and we're talking Texas football. Ten days to the start of the season. Top Gun Equipment Rentals bring you the headlines, and yeah, we'll start with the Longhorns. And uh, big news yesterday for UT Athletic Director Chris Del Conte. We told you back on Friday that the uh, UT Board of Regents, or UT recommended to the UT System Board of Regents a new seven-year contract extension for CDC that would keep him uh, in in charge of the athletic department through 2013. Well, yesterday, UT announced that thanks to a $10 million endowment from longtime UT donors Lois and Richard Folger, school now has the largest endowment towards a named athletics director position in the country. Lois and Richard Folger Athletics Endowment will provide perpetual flexible funding for non-salaried strategic use, empowering the athletics director to launch new initiatives and enhance the excellence of Texas athletics for years to come. It's the first of its kind. Uh, So Crystal Conti locked in through 2030 and now a $10 million endowment. Major League Baseball, one game now separates the top three teams in the American League West with five weeks left. Rangers are still in first place, but they lost last night. Six straight loss. They lose to Zach Gallon and the Arizona Diamondbacks, 6-3. to Gallon improves to 14-5. and He leads the major leagues and wins. In Houston, meanwhile, Astros pulled to within a half game of the Rangers uh, with a 7-3 win over the Red Sox. Justin Verlander, 6 scoreless. Kyle Tucker hit another home run. In Chicago, it's the Mariners that are the talk of the American League West. They won their eighth straight game, beat the White Sox 6-3. to They're now just a one game back of Texas and a half game back of the Astros. Prior to that game on the south side of Chicago, White Sox announced that they have fired their executive VP and General uh, uh, Ken Williams and their GM, Rick Hahn. They won the NL AL Central just two seasons ago, but have fallen apart. They're 49-76 and 76 this year. New York Yankees fell to Washington last night 2-1 at Yankee Stadium. They've now dropped nine in a row. That's the Yankees' longest losing streak since 1982. And the Boone is secure at this point. Uh, exact opposite out of Dell Diamond, Round Rock Express. Congrats to them. They matched a franchise record last night. Won their 13th straight game. They beat Salt Lake 9-6. They'll try to go for the record tonight. Number 14 in a row would uh, be the all-time mark. Last time they had 13 in a row was 2004 when they were a double-A team. They'll look to set that mark tonight against the Salt Lake Bees starting at 7.05. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Riddles and Lawn Equipment. Top Guns join forces with the legendary Austin Outdoor Power to give you the best lines of outdoor power equipment and fastest repair turnaround times in town. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. Um, one of the things that we didn't get to, uh, have you heard about the Chris Jones holdout? Oh, in Kansas City? He's, well, he's actually, apparently he was asked about it by the media, and he gave, <laughs> he gave a window for his holdout, how long it's going to last, or how long he is willing to hold out. He said eight week, went eight, week eight is what he said when asked how long he'd hold out. He said week eight. That's pretty wild. Did and he, he just that get a there. new deal like two years ago? Uh, it was probably, a, yeah, maybe it was probably three Three years ago, something like that. I it's I mean he's he's the second best interior D lineman in the league behind Aaron Donald. I mean, he is, and he was he no was doubt. pivotal in their run to the Super Bowl. He was just You don't a, win that first Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes and then she's without him. No, Remember? He, he and I think that's it's kinda of like Zach Martin with the Cowboys. There's a reason you try to hold out and get get more because you're so valuable to the team. He's twenty nine years old now, Chris Jones. 
and he is the heartbeat of their defense. I mean, he's the centerpiece of what they do. As we said, you don't with with, a, with an elite offense like the Chiefs, you don't have to be great on defense, but you have to have individual great players make big plays. And yep. Chris Jones does that. He does that. He does that. I mean, he was he was unbelievable he's a in their game playoff wrecker. run. He is. He is. <laughs> he just wrecks. He really does. So that's interesting. That I don't think I've ever heard. I mean, a player is kind of throwing it out there casually. He's just saying, "No, week eight, I'm willing to hold out to week eight. Uh, does that does that help him or give him more leverage or less leverage? Did he want to sit window. out half the season? Is uh, it more or less? Uh, well, the fact that he's telling that if you're Andy Reid, you're like, well, I'll get him back for the stretch. I guess got to look up the eight games. <laughs> yeah. You look up those first eight games and see exactly what they are. And if you think, hey, man, we can actually go six and two in this stretch or five and three in this stretch, whatever it may be. Here's Chris Jones ranks among D tackles last year. First in snaps, first in pressures, first in pass rush win rate, first in wins versus double teams and first in sacks versus double teams. So, yeah, you probably should pay that man his money. Yeah. Well, but. listen, uh, <laughs> well, there's also a, a rumor out there that the, the the Bears have inquired with the Chiefs about a trade for mm. for Chris Jones. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, now Would again, the Chiefs do that? I don't think so. Are they, oh. If you don't think you can re-sign him, or you don't you don't want to give him the money he's worth. I mean, the Chiefs—they got the money. They ain't paying no damn money. What do you Patrick Mahomes is like the seventh, eighth highest-paid quarterback in the league now. Yeah. You ain't paying no damn body. I don't think they would trade him, but he took a hold on. This is my this is my problem with NFL teams. I guess I'm going on a rant. This is my problem. All right, they ask players to sign team-friendly deals. I want you to sign a team-friendly deal. What's the point of a team-friendly deal? So that we can sign other great players so that we can be a great team, right? So Patrick Mahomes signs the most team-friendly deal in the history of the NFL, right? And they say, well, thanks for signing that team-friendly deal, but we ain't got money to pay Tyreek Hill. Okay, we get it. Tyreek Hill wanted too much money. I get it. If you let Chris Jones go after him signing the most team-friendly deal in NFL history, then we know all these GMs are full of it. Team-friendly deal. Why would you sign a team-friendly deal if you're not going to sign other great players to team up with me? Yep. <laughs> What's the point of a team-friendly yeah. deal? Tyreek Hill and Chris Jones. Right? You're going to let the best receiver and the best, uh, the second-best deep tackle go in the league? Come well, on, man. Well, uh, according to this report I'm reading, the Chiefs would obviously like to keep Chris Jones. However, Brett Veach, their general manager, is not one to give in to player demands, just like he didn't to Tyreek Hill. He's great. I like who him. Who was traded off to the Miami Dolphins. He's sharp. And, and Veach has built a heck of a team. I mean, all those defensive backs he drafted last year that came he, in as young players and helped them He basically win. rebuilds a, a position every year in the draft. He rebuilt the O-line, O-line. like three years ago. He's rebuilt yeah. the secondary last and he, year. And he knows he's got Patrick <laughs> Mahomes on a team-friendly deal. And you're right about that. Uh, but Veach, we'll see if he holds the line. If he, if if they decide they do want to move him, the Bears, who still have Justin Fields on a rookie deal, would yeah. be interested because, of course, they traded away Khalil Mack, Roquan Smith in Chicago to acquire draft picks in their rebuild. Now they may be ready to maybe start building up the defense, you can build again. it back. So we'll keep an eye on that. I mean, uh, it's that time of Ooh. that time of the season because uh, last preseason game coming, teams are finalizing their rosters. Um, you know, where are we headed? I mean, I think they, you know, keep an eye on that. I, I think Chris Jones will get into camp with the Chiefs. They need him too bad. And your point, your rant was right, was spot on. It's also, it's, I mean, it, it's, we know front offices, we know teams are hypocritical. It's kind of like the Jonathan Taylor thing, you know? Yes, great point. I mean, it's, 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 as we said yesterday, it's such a silly, okay, hold on. Let me get this straight. If you're Jonathan Taylor, you, I've been trying for a new contract, but the market for running backs isn't going to pay me what I believe my value is. But now you've given me permission to seek a trade, but you want to trade for something that is very valuable. <laughs> yeah. Like you want to you want to trade for a first or a package of picks that would be 
you're showing my value. Yeah, exactly. But I'm not valuable enough for you to pay me. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Uh, that's I mean, yeah. essentially what you're telling me on the running back market. If you trade me, if I get traded, you think about this if you're Jonathan Taylor. You've now given me permission to seek a trade. Yeah. But you won't trade me unless you get well. That's <laughs> top gonna, value. That's going to inhibit <laughs> my ability to get traded. You you won't top value, but you won't pay me top value. Right. But you won't top value in return for me yeah. if I'm traded. So I am worth top value then, just not contract wise. Yeah. It is confusing. It's confusing. It's confusing. <laughs> it's confusing. <laughs> you would need a gym to break that down for you. Yeah, man. All yeah. right. Well, we're uh, counting down the days. Obviously, college football this weekend. We've got the uh, final weekend of the NFL, and we're 10 days to start of that Longhorn football season. We will drop in behind that burn orange curtain coming up and talk Texas football, including uh, you know mock week for the Longhorns. Mock week. They're uh, got a mock game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. They're going to go through the week as they would. Uh, kind of dress rehearsal for what's coming next week ahead of the Rice game. We'll dive in there. Hear from Steve Sarkeesian coming up. Also before the end of the hour, we'll go off the record on this Vince Young day. Vince Young Vince day Young? is just the, the Texas football season opening. 10 love me now. some Vince Young. I'm not the only one. Longhorn fans love Vince Young. I would say that I, I, and I, this is also you know, related to Vince Young. We won't go on a rant about this, but I would say that Vince Young was born just a little too early. If he was born probably five years later, he'd have still accomplished all the great things he did here at Texas, that kind of stuff. But the NFL would have been more open to quarterbacks with that kind of skill set. Now you see quarterbacks with that kind of skill set all over the NFL. The NFL offensive coordinators are open and willing to 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 uh, craft and build their offensive game plans and schemes and systems around skill sets like a VY is a true dual threat quarterback. Hey, we're living in the first uh, time in the history of the NFL, uh, at least since they've been keeping track of it, where quarterback design runs last season actually were uh, deployed at a higher rate than scrambles. So you had more design runs for quarterback than scrambles last season. That lets you know the offensive systems are now weaponizing these dual-threat quarterbacks. And, man, V.Y. never had he never had that option. He never had that luxury of being with a team. The owner liked him, but the coach and the offensive coordinator, they did not want to build that system around V.Y. It's not saying he'd have you know, been an all-pro and a Hall of Famer if they'd have done that, but he definitely would have had way more success. We know that. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And uh, this says, blame GD Jeff Fisher on his NFL career. Well, as we said, he he, he didn't want Vince Young. I mean, that, I'm not saying you don't blame Jeff Fisher for that, but no. his owner didn't do him any favors. And Bud Adams, uh, you know, <sighs> you know, he didn't. T- I mean, that that is that's bad ownership. That's bad management to take a player. Your your head coach. You've hired a head coach. You've hired an offensive coordinator. You have a general manager. They all agree this is not the guy for us. Mm-hmm. And yet you take him anyhow. It's ha- you're uh, creating a problem. Washington did it. And remember, Shanahan drafted his own guy anyway. I mean, Washington wanted RG3 really bad. The owner wanted RG3 really bad. Yeah. And the Shanahan clan, they were okay with that, but they, they really liked Kirk Cousins. They drafted him anyhow. So they drafted him anyway. They drafted RG3 in the first. They drafted Kirk Cousins in the fourth. And honestly, it was a good move by the Shanahan clan. Hey, can I play you some of this audio? And thank you, Chris Bennett, for sending this to us on Vince Young Day. This is from the uh, 05 documentary talking about the championship season. And I did not know this. Uh-oh. That Vince Young thought about transferring away from Texas before they would have never won the national championship of Texas. Can we hear some of this audio? This is uh, V.Y. from the 05 documentary talking about uh, a decision he nearly made after the 2003 season. That would mess with any 18-year-old's head. It was tough because, you you know, being a starter all your life and now you had to take a back seat. And as a young man, you know, you like, I know I can play right now. 
he is a competitor. He wants to be out there. He don't want to be number two. He wants to be number one. There was a moment where he was really considering going elsewhere to a different school. We go to San Diego and we're playing Washington State and they're blitzing him out of the park. And he's frustrated and we pull him. And we put Chance Monkey in and we almost come back and win the ball game. But I saw him after the game in the dressing room. He was down, obviously, but took off. I was gonna transfer because I didn't wanna be just this pocket quarterback, but I wasn't that type of player. I was in my car driving back to Houston, like, I don't wanna go play there no more. And Steve McNair was like, man, listen, it's gonna be all right. We're not quitters. Go back and apologize to Coach Brown and Coach Davis and fix it. I pay a lot of respect to Steve for making me turn back around because if, if I would have kept going, I don't know where I would be at. So I came back and apologized to Coach Brown, apologized to Coach Davis. Steve said, tell him what you want to do. Show him your matureness that you want to do more. And I told Coach Brown that, and I told Coach Davis, I said, Coach, I think I can do more if you just let me play my game. I think maybe he was trying to adapt to us instead of just being himself and, and, and having fun. We ended up deciding to let Vince be Vince. We're, we're not going to change his throwing motion to look like Peyton Manning. That's not who he is. Let's get throws he can complete. I don't care how he looks. And what happened is Vince became comfortable. And then Greg and I sat down with Vince and said, what plays do you like? What do you like the best? And we want to get really good at these, and then we can go somewhere else. And there you go. There you go. Almost transferred. Steve McNair, the late, great Steve McNair. Talked him in. Go turn around. I, I did not, I've never heard that story before. Yeah. Sorry. Never heard that story before. Uh, that And it does remind me, too, Greg Davis. And I know a lot of Longland fans like to hate on Greg Davis, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to change your mind about Greg Davis. But you got to give him credit. Because every quarterback that came into Texas, he would like change the system specifically to fit the skill set of the quarterback. I was just talking about that in the NFL and them not doing that with Vince Young. Remember, Code has his system, which is a, a hybrid West Coast uh, spread. VY ran the zone read and the read option. They, they end up coming to that conclusion. Sims ran a more pro-style offense. The only place they really screwed up with Greg Davis was when Mac Brown declared declared to the world that we are going to be a power running game. Instead of looking at the skill set of his quarterback like he just said there and saying, you know what, what does my quarterback do well? Let's do that. Yeah. And he didn't do that. He came out of 2009 said, we're going to be a power running game. That's what we're going to be. We're basically going to be Alabama. And you're not Alabama. And that and was you're the last Nick year Saban. for Greg Davis' offensive coordinator, Exactly. Too. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, because that wasn't Greg Davis's forte. Well, because Mac always empowered Greg Davis to run the offense. Even yes. though fans didn't like it. And he did build the offense around you know Chris Sims. And then, as you just heard there, there was the... The period when when Chance Chance Mock was a five star player too. By yes, the way. he was a damn good player, damn good quarterback. <laughs> and so he, they came in and they were running the same system that Sims had run. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you just heard Vince it wasn't his wasn't good at it, uh, wasn't his skill set. Nope. Uh, and it all changed. And that's where Zone Reed came. 
Uh, but some would say that Greg Davis, not for Steve McNair, Greg Davis would have ran Vince Young out of Texas. <laughs> Stubbornness. Hey, some people wanted Vince Young to play wide receiver at I, the time. I was on the air at the time. I <laughs> yeah. remember the phone call. So, but, that, but that's because you guys were watching him in a system that was not compatible with his skill set. And you were thinking, this guy, this is not going to work because he was trying to run, like you said, that same pro-style system that Major and Sims had run and that Chance had run. But when Greg Davis started seeing the light, it was, no, 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 why work? Harder. Let's work smarter. Let's just make the system fr- quarterback friendly, huh? Like Lincoln Riley is d- does every damn year. <laughs> every and, year. And he and basically the one time, well, when not one time, but when he stopped making the systems quarterback friendly. Sorry, Gary Gilbert. That's when the offensive identity crisis started at Texas. Well, and that's when you know Mac declared what we were going to be, and not letting Greg Davis build the offense Come around on. the skills that uh, the players that they had. You got a spread quarterback with a spread system and spread yeah. players, and decided to go power running game pro style. Yeah, <laughs> quarterback who had just been amazing at Lake Travis, running the spread, <laughs> and he was amazing as soon as he left here. And it was yeah, he spread was offense. running the spread. Exactly. Huh. <laughs> it made no sense. That dude is still in the NFL. Trying to make roster. I, knew, I knew got a Super Bowl this. ring, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Greg Davis invented the tunnel screen. Yeah, probably so. Everybody oh hated the God. tunnel screen with oh. Greg Davis. Oh, hey, VY was really good. That no, it's not VY, but uh, Kwame Cavill was really good that tunnel screen. Yeah. And Quan, Quan Cosby was really Quan. good that damn t- well, tunnel screen. My favorite was it would be like third and eight, and we'd they, we'd run tunnel only, screen like no four yard routes <laughs> like four sticks and then complete and be like oh well it's fourth down. Like, oh great yeah, great scheme. Yeah. Nobody complained about that scheme though once VY started. Running it, it was y'all say which I want. Yeah, because they, that personnel is why it became unstoppable. Not necessarily the system itself; they just couldn't stop the personnel executing yeah, the well, system. Very talented players running a system that it was simple though. It was simple to them, so they sure could was. they could run it fast. They could execute it fast. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I remember doing the show with Dan Neal back in the day. He talked about that Denver Broncos offense with John Elway. Yeah, it was a pretty simple system. Y'all knew what they were running. You just couldn't stop, <laughs> couldn't it. stop it. Well, because Elway on the boots and then Elway running and then the all the play action, and the zone blocking. Oh. It was simple, but you couldn't stop it. You couldn't stop it. And the, 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 I felt like the the Longhorn offense that year was very similar. Scored fifty points a game. K- Casey said that Casey Casey Stutter would say at times they knew what we were running. He said, hell, he had fun sometime and tell the guys, like, you know, we're going to that B-gap right come. there. We're coming to that B-gap. Coming at you. <laughs> they could not stop it. Uh, that's how good they were. Just on our text line, Chaz says, that Greg Davis, in big moments, don't think plays, think players. Amen. Amen, brother. That's the truth. All right, there you go. I didn't know that story either. Thank that's you, CB, for sending job, that. CB. Vince, Vince was driving to Houston and was never coming back until yeah. Steve McNair. U of H would have been a totally different program. <laughs> Because he probably ended up at U of H somewhere, balling out of control. By the way, speaking of that, <laughs> on Vince Young days to the Texas football opener, 10 days out, remember when Steve McNair was, was killed? Oh, so it, sad. It, it really was, you can kind of chart that to when Vince Young kind of went off the rails. That was his father That was his father figure in his and, life. And, it was. of course, the next thing you know, Vince is putting his pads in the stands and completely at odds with Jeff, with Jeff Fisher. And, I mean, he had been unbelievable uh, as a player. He was on his way to a really good career, and... You know, Steve McNair tragically killed, and yep. you know I think there was some some attribution to that. I agree with you. I didn't realize that he knew Vince before he was drafted the Titans. I thought yeah, that really no, he from H Town. Really, he was I like, Steve yeah. McNair's from H Town too. No, no, no. But it's but, that their their relationship started in H Town. Vy is like a young football player, like okay. a young yeah, like a young quarterback. Yeah. He was like a, yes. I think it was Godfather. Or some yeah, kind something like that. Yeah, that's what they. Well, because yeah, because the Oilers were the, Vince, a, Steve McNair was was in Houston when he was drafted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because love you blue. He was a love you blue guy. He was there before they moved to Tennessee. Didn't even realize that. Yeah, like, oh. drafted out of Alcorn State. Yeah, and that's when and Vy was a phenomenon in high school. Like that's just, right. I mean, he's one of the biggest high school stars in Houston from any sport. And basically, I think that's when he took him under his wing and got right. that kind of stuff. That's right. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, we come back. It's going uh, behind the burn orange curtain. More Texas football talk about this year's team. Ten days away to the opener. It's mock week for the Longhorns. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Hook them up indeed. Ian Rodby, 10 days to the opener. Uh, one hour from now, we'll be hitting our Horn Top 20 countdown, number eight in the countdown, the USC Trojans. And I don't know if you saw this, Rod, but Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush, Heisman Trophy winner 2005, the year Vince should have won it. Mm-hmm. Well, officially, is, he's not. Uh, well, oh, then, yeah, I guess right? they did technically. Reggie Bush is Voided. filing. This will be an interesting press conference today in, at the L.A. Coliseum because Reggie Bush is filing a defamation lawsuit against the NCAA for maliciously attacking his character in a 2021 statement alleging he was part of a pay-for-play arrangement. Uh, press hmm. conference to come today to explain. But Reggie Bush is suing the NCAA. Um, as, as, our, as Jay Billis of ESPN tweeted upon this story coming out from the L.A. Times, Jay Billis uh, said, "Can't wait for the depositions in this case." Yeah, I mean, he did take he did take money though, right? Well, he is agree he is disagreeing that it was a pay for play. He took money, but it wasn't pay for play because yeah. <laughs> he did take money. This is the whole Lloyd Lake Michael Michaels thing, right? That those were these shady. What not the shady people that was involved with it? What those are names? Oh uh, yeah, it was some oh, yeah. really weird shady names. I remember that were involved with the Reggie Bush scandal or Didn't whatever. He get like a house. I'm gonna say I knew he. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he had someone got him like a house. I, I'm with you. I thought it was like pretty. Yeah, I, I thought the reports were pretty obvious that he did take some type of benefits money. But hey, you know what? Maybe well, maybe it's all about getting information out there. Maybe he's not really trying to win. He just wants to expose them. Yeah, and how shady they were. Yeah, that, so yeah, and you know, proving malice uh, is it's a high burden uh, that you have to prove. They have to prove they knowingly. In that statement, it's that easier they in California, know it. though. Well, let's well, uh, we'll, we'll see the press point. conference. I mean, I'm sure Reggie and his attorneys will have their statement. And uh, yeah, the, the, Michael, listen, the marketers that got him in trouble, they were named. I'm not making this up. It's from L.A. Times, Michael Michaels oh, and yeah. Lloyd Lake. <laughs> I remember those two names. That's my shady name theory. If you ever do business with people. If they got a shady name, you might want to move Michael on. Michael Michaels. Michael Michaels. His, if that's his name, don't sign any contracts with that guy. Lloyd Lake. That sounds like fake names. Remember Sherwood Blunt? Nah, I'm good. Sherwood <laughs> his name Blunt. was Sherwood Blunt, wasn't he? Isn't that the SMU guy? Yeah, yeah, he was. <laughs> Sherwood that was, Blunt. That was SMU. <laughs> that's a shady name. Lloyd Lake. <laughs> I know the. Uh, I want to say VY had a couple. VY had a, a couple like shady name characters that came out that were involved with him too. What his uncle? Yeah, was that Major Adam? What was it? I don't remember. Who's, who was Johnny Manziel's guy? Cousin uh, Cousin Eddie? What was his name? <laughs> cousin Eddie. He did have one, though. You're right. It was it was like his best friend. They don't speak anymore. We learned that yeah, in the right. documentary. That's they right. don't even speak anymore. And by the way, we have. I, I did not see the Swamp Kings on Netflix. I haven't seen it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to watch this I weekend. Saw, I saw a lot of people saying lukewarm. Lukewarm so far. Yeah, because the, they, they, there's a lot of stuff they omitted, or at least they just didn't. Get, get into well, it's kind of like it's the untold franchise at Netflix now, but kind of like the Johnny Manziel thing. They didn't do a lot of journalistic, both sides talking to the Browns. Yeah, talking, they, yeah. It was it's all, more salacious. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Uh, One but, more on the names: Scooter Braun. 
Scooter Braun. Oh, yes. What is going on with Scooter Braun right now? I don't know what's going on with him right now, but I know he's the one that took all Taylor Swift's music and why she's right. Oh, yeah. Everybody hates him. He's the music producer. everybody hates that dude now. He's Justin Bieber's agent. I think Justin Bieber fired him. He discovered Justin Bieber. Didn't Justin Bieber just fire him? I don't know. I want to say that may be why he's up. He's in the news. I want to say Justin Bieber either either just fired him and like uh, right now a lot of stars think about firing him. I think he's doing all right still. Oh, I'm sure he is. Yeah, I'm sure he's doing pretty good for himself. Scooter Never do business with a guy named Scooter. Yeah, exactly. Let's go. Scooter Uh, Hey, we're 10 days out to the season. Longhorns in the middle of their mock a week. Can we go behind? the BOC and they were all asking themselves the same question what is behind that curtain yeah, it says here, Scooter Braun. Sorry, get this in the. <laughs> now, uh, Todd's got me interested. It says Scooter Braun is losing major clients, including Ariana Grande, Demi Lovato, um, and they said maybe Justin Bieber too. That there's a rumor Justin and Scooter are uh, still working together, but things are rocky. Yeah, there was an article that claimed that Justin Bieber had fired him, but that they said is not confirmed. They were part. They've been together for 15 years, though. Anyway, so there you go, Scooter Braun. I know it's way too much information about Scooter Braun, but hey, glad we got on that subject. Okay, let's get to another subject here. I want to talk about Steve Sarkeesian's uh, schematic kryptonite. I've talked about this before on the show, the three-high, three-down defense. I'm sure Sark is going to see it in many different forms and variations this season. TCU runs it. K-State runs it. Um, Oklahoma likes to run it. Iowa State has popularized it. And it is a, you know, it's right now, it's an issue for Sark. It's a bit of a conundrum. It's a, it's a riddle that he needs to solve. His offenses are averaging uh, nine fewer points per game versus these three high, three down schemes. And they're also, if you compare uh, offensive productivity um, versus the three high schemes uh, versus uh, two high or juxtaposed to two high, single high, more traditional uh, defensive presentations. Uh, we're talking about a two touchdown difference um, from uh, with Sark's offensive productivity. So that is an issue. That's a major issue. And we have a two year sample size. And even going back to 2020, um, with Sark's offense. Uh, as the offensive coordinator for Bama versus Arkansas, his his, his Alabama offense struggled. Uh, so it, it seems schematically that it it matches up well with Sark's offense. We'll go into how, why that is the case um, a little bit later on throughout the season. But I went and looked at I'm looking at different schemes to try to help Sark solve this riddle. Right, I want Sark to figure this out so they can win a conference championship. And I think I found one potential conceptual signature that'll really help Sark out. Sark likes to run the 6-0 line package. Found that out last year. He actually uh, used 6-0 linemen around 15% of the time. Kyle Flood calls their Big 11, Big 12 package. This year, I think it's going to be Malik Agbo. Uh, at least he was the one working the 6-0 line package in training camp. Last year, it was Andre Carrick, who is now transferred. But they really, really like it because Sark wants to play bully ball every now and then. And You know, against the three high, three down, a lot of people believe that's the way to really overcome it and to to solve it is to essentially just play bully ball and just push the just push those defenders out of the way and be able to overwhelm them with physicality. All right. Impose your will on the opponent and Sark's big humans philosophy. Right. Big humans got the biggest, most uh, mammoth gargantuan offensive line in all the Big 12. It does fit that you could do that. And they did it last year versus Iowa State. They just played bully ball down the stretch and were able to win that game versus Iowa State, who popularized and probably played the three high three down better than anybody else. So bully ball, which are six O line package is what I looked at. And I went and tried to track um, exactly how and isolate 
um, runs versus the three high with six offensive linemen on the field. That's specifically what I looked at. And I was a, I was shocked and actually surprised, pleasantly surprised to find out Texas is averaging over six and a half yards per rush against the three high, three down defense with six old linemen on the field. And that may explain why Sark decided that he was going to bring in Paul Christ as a special assistant to the head coach. We know Paul Chris is famous for his acumen with the power running game, but what you may not know is his last two games in 2021 of the regular season in um, in Wisconsin, he uh, played or at least coached against Nebraska and Minnesota. Wisconsin used six offensive linemen on 22 snaps in those two games. That accounted for damn near 50% of their 6-0 line snaps the entire season. So he was trending toward using a lot of 6-0 linemen at the end of 2021, his last year coaching. He also ran what they called the barge package when he was at Wisconsin, where they used seven O-linemen, and in 2019, they had the hippo package, where they also used more than five offensive linemen. So Paul Christ is really familiar with this concept, too, and we know that he's a power run game guy, and if the power run game can be one of the solutions to help you solve the riddle of the three high, three down, I think the sixth O-line package may be the way that Sark decided to go. So just throwing that out there is one of the things I looked at. If you can average six something yards per rush against a three high three down, you may not have to throw into it. <laughs> no. And I think that's I think part of the the, the reason it has success uh E versus that three high three down is the extreme the the extremism of the the personnel package itself, right? You're talking about tons of size and girth on the line of scrimmage where you can truly impose your will. For them to match your size with six offensive line, we're talking about Sark who believes in putting 320-pound human beings on that offensive line with regularity, and you're talking about now with, you know, hell, almost you know 1,700 pounds of, of human being, right? Yeah. Oh, you know, 1,800 pounds of human being on that offensive line, damn near 2,000 pounds, and he wants to run it and shove it down your throat. I think that to me, maybe one of the ways he's trying to solve the three high three down. I think he saw exactly what I saw, that they can run the ball versus the three high three down, but they need six old linemen to do it. And then you can force the opponent to adjust. And if they adjust, they might have to uh, they might have to abandon the structural integrity of their defense. They might have to abandon their rigidity with personnel to do so. And then you got them where you want them because then they're playing your game, not theirs. Yeah, You're dictating the tempo. And as we said, the uh, the sixth offensive line this year should be improved over last year's sixth unit. Because I think it was Andre Carrick who, who he was, was transferred he was to Tennessee, yes. who was the, the sixth lineman quite a bit. He's now at Tennessee as a transfer, but uh, uh, all that talent on the offensive line. And, well, you add six offensive linemen to a guy, and, and a guy like Jatavion Sanders. Who, exactly. Who could be. Who, oh, he could, he could, he could really block. Good he, block. he showed that versus Baylor last year. Yeah. And he was moving guys out of the way. Right. So now you've got seven blockers. For a run game, and uh, you can be a power run team because people. Somebody said, uh, "Rod, can you explain the three high, three down pretty quick?" That's three safeties on the field, three down linemen, right? Yes, and it's three. Yes, they use three safeties, three down linemen, and they shift and move these safeties. Most defensive presentations and packages are with single high safeties, one deep safety, or with two deep safeties. All right, and all of the all of the beaters, what they call the offensive checks and audibles. 
most of those are built around beating single high coverage and, you know, two high coverage. The three high is relatively new. Guys, it came around like 2016, 2017. It's not even 10 years old. So there are not a lot of baked-in um, audibles by offenses. Some of these guys have been – they've been adjusting and audibling to single high and, and double high coverages since they were in middle school or in high school. So Quinn Ewers knows how that looks. What he doesn't know – is how the three high adjusts. And by the way, it's malleable. It can go to two high. It can go to single high. It can go with three high. You can bring multiple guys down to the box. It's so malleable. It distorts the pre-snap read for the quarterback. And think about what most, most RPOs are based on pre-snap counts. So if you count that you have the numbers advantage in the box, you're going to hand the ball off. But if you count they have the numbers advantage in the box, you pull the ball and you throw it. But what if you miscount? What if you miscalculate because of the way they're shifting and moving the defense? And that happens a lot versus the three high, three down. And Sark says his offense is an RPO-based passing game. Well, if you're miscounting all the RPOs, then you're probably handing off into boxes where you don't have the numbers advantage, and you're probably throwing into coverage where you don't have the numbers advantage. There you go. There it is. Uh, the four one one. the yeah. intel from Rod Babers. That's why it's behind the burnt orange curtain, <laughs> football 101. With, uh, with RB, as good as it gets right there. We'll come back. We're going off the record, uh, including that uh, Scooter Braun story. Also, we broke a record yesterday, finally, or we ended the streak in Austin, Texas. We'll go off the record coming next. DD Mega Doodoo. I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get a brain bag comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. I'll tell you what, it didn't suck, Bill O'Reilly, and that would be the, uh, the mm-hmm. end of Austin's 45 days in a row above. 100 degrees yesterday. Oh, thank the Lord. Finally came to an end. Camp Mabry, Austin's official weather reporting site, reached only 99 yesterday. And it rained. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It did rain like for like 10 minutes. Water came out of the sky. Like 10 minutes. Or I think 10, it 15 minutes. Yeah. The wind was blowing. Mm-hmm. Dog was all freaking out because it thundered a couple times. Oh, yeah. I wish I went outside and stood in it like Ty did. Ty just, did. Just let it, you know, let it engulf me. It didn't a beautiful thing. What's the movie where the guy goes out and stands in the pouring down rain? Do I remember that? Oh, remember Shawshank that Redemption. Shawshank. Oh, man, yes. Liberating. Liberating. Beautiful scene. Andy Shawshank. Dufresne. Andy Dufresne. <laughs> oh, I'm so surprised that uh, Ty knew that reference so quickly. Shawshank. One of your favorites? Oh, yeah. 40... You're so old, though. You're so young. Uh, it came out the year I was born, I think. Exactly. Great film. Great film. Oh. The 45-day streak is over, but uh, by the way, the previous record was 27 days. So we didn't just set the record. We shattered the record. Hopefully um, we never, ever come close to that record again. That's, that's That would be my hope. What do you have an off the record there, Rod B? Uh, all right. Got a couple of uh, items here, but I'll just get to one. and kind of let, open it up for you guys. You guys remember Will Levis' obsession with... Uh, Mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. Yeah, this guy's weird, man. He was known for putting mayonnaise in his coffee. Just strange. That's my guy. That's your guy? You like Will Levis? I I I I was a big Will Levis guy before the draft, so I feel like I gotta stick to it for at least he a year or two. He also eats the bananas with the peel still uh, on. Yeah. You cool with that? I out. Sit, yeah, no, I'm out. Out. Hard uh, no. Hard well, no. It, it's worked out for him because he now has uh, signed a deal. He gets a lifetime supply deal with uh, Hellman's Mayonnaise. <laughs> so he now has an endorsement deal with Hellman Mayonnaise. Is Hellman's your mayonnaise of choice? No. I don't touch any white condiments, so I know nothing about I knew about that this. about you. White yeah. condiments are not your deal. Not my deal. I don't. I don't uh, do Hellman's. It was 
And is Miracle Whip even mayonnaise? That's like no. I have no sandwich idea. spread. Okay, so that's different. I don't do mayonnaise, but I do ranch, which is the main component. You put ranch in your sandwiches? I got to think no. of what's in our fridge. Uh, you know, a, a Philly <laughs> cheesesteak with a little bit of ranch on top? Ah, mm. that technically is a sandwich. A Plucker's Philly cheesesteak. We don't have the, the we got this, point. I don't even know what kind of mayonnaise. I don't use it that often. No. It's, uh, mayonnaise mustard is guy. gross. Thank you. Mustard guy. Yes, classier. Classier hey, condiment. It's uh, So Aaron Rodgers now in New York, but the, what do you think of when I say discount double check? Oh, yeah, it's uh, State Farm, right? right? State Farm. Discount double check, baby. The, the Aaron Rodgers State Farm relationship has ended. Why would they end it now it's when over. his profile has been lifted to another stratosphere because he's in New York? Why would you end it? Yeah, the insurance giant confirmed that the sponsorship deal ended after the 2022 season concluded. We wish Aaron the best in his future endeavors. He's been endeavored. And when you get that email, you <laughs> you've been endeavored. <laughs> endeavored. Uh, but yeah, State Farm I, reduced the number of Rogers commercials during the 2021 they, season. They definitely did. I was, there were fewer of those. Yeah. They did them dirty like they did the original Jake from State Farm. Jake from, Jake, the original Jake from State Farm is not around anymore? Think about I mean, It's another Jake? It, they, it was a white guy. Not and so then like, just one day it was just. Back there. And then he went with Drake. I love that one. It's Drake and Jake from State Farm. Drake was actually great in that commercial, too. I'm not going to lie, dude. Insurance commercials are easily the best commercials on TV these days. Whether it be the, uh, one, the one you're becoming your parents. Yeah, the, what, yeah, the yeah, Geico yeah, one's yeah. pretty uh, good. The original Jake was like, uh, what, are you, what are you wearing? Yeah, exactly. Uh, khakis. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll tell you, I don't know why insurance has done it, but they have really, in my opinion, they have monopolized the uh, comedic commercial. Like, they have, they, they, I don't think anybody has commercials even close to all the insurance companies. They're they're great. Even yeah. the, even the guy Mayhem is pretty good. That means they're making pretty good money. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what it is. Well, it's insurance. It's a racket. That's why they're taking all of our money. We all got to have it. It's all just in case something happens and uh, it doesn't happen like all the time. Medical insurance. And I need it. I'm like, oh, really? Exactly. Yeah, Come when on, you actually man. go there to turn in your insurance. What am I paying every it. month for? <laughs> exactly. Your insurance isn't good enough. We don't people. accept your insurance here. Like Bill O'Reilly, these people suck. <laughs> hey, uh, real quick on that guy. Play this, Aaron. Not, not, we'll do Aaron Rodgers coming up, but I have uh, from last night's Hard Knocks featuring Aaron Rodgers in the New York Jets. I like this one. Quinnen Williams. Quinnen Williams is the big defensive tackle of your New York football Jets. He's got a big contract, game wrecker. But here he is. He's a sensitive guy. He doesn't like it. He, he, he you know, he's three, 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 three hundred <laughs> pounds plus. But here he is revealing last night that he doesn't like. Uh, he doesn't consider himself a fat guy. My game is called fat. He called me fat, bro. My game is. Bro, I lost weight this offseason. I look fat. Now I'm self-conscious, bro. Yeah, I would say. Damn, bro. You think? But I think you're fit. Well, no, it's You think I rewind it? Do I look good to be 300 pounds? Okay, cool. You're proportionate. <laughs> His teammate said, I, I think you're not skinny. I like you. Like, you like you look proportionate. You're proportionate, though. You're big, and it's wide. It all kind of Great fits. Great smile. There just are not enough complimentary terms for men who are bigger or overweight and still consider themselves to be sexy. For women, it's like a ton of them. You can be thick. You can be full-figured. Voluptuous. You can be voluptuous. BBW. All these terms to describe sexy big women. And by the way, I've been a plus-size pleaser, a lame brand lover, so I'm all for it. But for guys who are big, Y'all need some better terms, man. Come on. Hook yourself up. Quinn wasn't happy with that. Mike Evans called him fat. Called him fat. Yeah, fat is derogatory. We don't like that. 
full figure that works. Just wait for the Twitter brigade to cancel Mike Evans. Thick. <laughs> Thick. You ain't got no fat people in your family. That's why you can't use fat because you got people in your family that are also overweight. So find a more complimentary way to address it. I don't know. My little brother's fat. I call him fat to his face. <laughs> That's your little brother, though. You're trying to torment him. <laughs> Come on, little big bro. <laughs> you fat. What he good. asked his teammate? I think I'm fat. He ain't skinny. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got your answer then. <laughs> you All right, we'll come answer. back. We get our 9 o'clock hour. It features our live music update with our man Nick Shuley, also number nine, uh, number eight in our Horn Ian Rod B Top 20 countdown coming your way as well. Busy, busy Wednesday morning. You're on the Horn.